Coming up, we'll learn about the making of Haunted Mansion Holiday from Garner Holt Productions. Support for today's episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. That's gantam.com demo. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything are in the show notes. Disney's Haunted Mansion inspires many haunters, and the Nightmare Before Christmas is an annual watching tradition. So, in 2001, when Jack Skellington took over the Haunted Mansion, it was glorious. Today, we'll hear the story behind this holiday takeover. Disney tapped Garner Holt Productions to bring Jack Skellington's nightmare to life, and although he had a background in haunting, the path was anything but predictable. This episode contains excerpts from a panel recording at last year's season screamings event in Pasadena. Today's episode is a rerun, but it's a great one. Enjoy. Disney's Haunted Mansion is an inspiration for many haunters, and the Nightmare Before Christmas is an annual watching tradition. So in 2001, when Jack Skellington took over the Haunted Mansion, it was glorious. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and today we'll hear the story behind this holiday takeover. Stay with us. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. From Netherworld to Dark Hour, Area 15, and even Hagrid's Motorbike, Gantam goes where other fixtures can't. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantum.com slash demo. That's gantum.com slash demo. Okay, back to the show. Garner Holt was tapped by Disney to bring Jack Skellington's nightmare to life. And although he had a background in haunting, the path was anything but predictable. I'm gonna play you excerpts from a panel recording at this year's Seasons Screaming event in Pasadena. In it, you'll hear Garner Holt live on stage recounting the process behind the attraction layover. And in case you're wondering, Seasons Screamings will return to Pasadena for year two this coming December. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Seasons Screamings. In 2001, an elaborate overlay came to Disneyland's Haunted Mansion based on Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, leaving guests asking, what's this? 20 years later, Haunted Mansion Holiday has become a fan favorite and has been such a success, it is replicated at Tokyo Disneyland each year as well. Please welcome one of the creative designers that helped bring Haunted Mansion Holiday to life, themed entertainment industry legend, Gardner Holt. Thank you, thank you. So, um, it is true that uh, um, we do a lot of fun things, and I would, uh, uh, I have now a little uh, slideshow, and I'm gonna show you some of the very beginnings of GHP. If you see some pictures of me in here when I was a child, um, and, or a teenager, um, I'm sure you'll be impressed with how well-preserved I am, and I look almost the same as I did then. Um, but, uh, so this is a little slideshow uh, about uh, 
the Haunted Mansion Holiday, which was a show we created 20 years ago now. Um, if you, we were just actually, I was just in the in the mansion yesterday, and on the cake, um, there's a 20 in there, and it's kind of homage to 20 years. I mean, it really seems like it was only yesterday. Um, but uh, so this uh, little show here is uh, some slides that start out. Uh, we won't uh, spend much time on this particular one. This just tells about a little bit about who we are and what we've done, but we've already gone over that. So um, some of the more recent things that we've done. Uh, any of you see uh, pets in uh, Hollywood? No, that's a cool. There's a little kitty right, kitty right there. Um, so this all started basically uh, as a, when, when I was a, a, a kid, probably 12 years old, I, I kind of grew up on like a farm with horses and my parents wanted me to be a, a horseman and a veterinarian and uh, until I saw the Osmonds tour this place called the Haunted Mansion on TV in one afternoon and I flipped out because I loved the movie monsters, I loved, I loved uh, the Munsters and I wanted their house and so I built the little haunted houses in the backyard and my, I heard about the Haunted Mansion, I'd never been there. And I asked my parents, can you take me to this Disneyland and see the Haunted Mansion? And so they did. That was a fatal mistake that they made. <laughs> fatal mistake. <laughs> um, I, I, at that point, had been on a horse since two days after I was born until I was about 10 years old. And I put horses behind me and I said, I want to build theme park rides. I still to this day remember leaning over the back seat of the car saying, I want to build the Haunted Mansion when I grow up and um, just like it was yesterday. So I started experimenting when I, early on with theme park rides in the backyard. I wanted to build the Pirates of the Caribbean. So this, uh, actually my parents bought me the record, uh, Haunted Mansion record, and I would play it over and over and over again. Um, this is one of my early attempts at a pirate uh, uh, ride thing. So this was, uh, that's me in the boat and my friends getting ready to launch me down the ramp into a muddy pit. And uh, um, that grew to a point to where I nearly broke a, a child's legs in the boat and uh, my parents stopped that. So I said, well, what can I do that isn't endangering the lives of the children in the neighborhood? And they said, well, my dad will help you, dad will help you build a little shack. So I designed, um, I'm splashing down, so, but, uh, so this was my first haunted house. Um, it was about the size of a bathroom, and it had a couple of rooms. That was my drawing of it. My dad uh, helped me build this little shack out in the backyard. And uh, this is the floor plan. You know, it has the, uh, the important dead man, and then there's a guillotine and a skull, I think, something like that. Newspaper came out, saw it, everything went crazy. 400 people showed up and started raining. And later on, one of the malls in San Bernardino called me and said, you did a cool haunted house we saw in the paper, could you do one for the mall? And I said, well, sure I can, I can do anything. So um, this was in the paper. Um, this was in my garage where I was trying to sculpt masks and creatures and things. And uh, so um, experimenting with animation. So in order to build my first haunted house, I, I, um, I, with my parents, I, I told them I needed to do something to work for the mall. So this, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm 16 in this picture. We bought for $400 a, a burned out construction trailer that had burned and I replaced it uh, with all the walls and things and I made a haunted house. 
Uh, my mom actually had to drive me to work every day at the haunted house because I didn't have a license yet. But um, but this was the haunted house. There's the proud owner, and, and as you can see, that's I look really good. Like that. Um, <laughs> so that's my haunted house, Garnerholt's haunted house of mystery, and um, it was a big hit at the mall. Look at that queue. Isn't that amazing? So it was like that all the time. So I had people going through there. So other malls started to see that and say, well, can you build us one? So sure, you know, I did that. And um, that was the beginning of Garner Hole Productions and um, did a lot of uh, uh, mall stuff for, for years in the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, then I wanted more than anything, that's the Mall of Orange Haunted House there, me as a pirate. And uh, I wanted more than anything to, there's some of the artwork of the, the organist, Ludwig the organist, and him jumping out of his seat. There's the actual piece itself, and then he'd spin around and fly across the room at you. And uh, that's some of my early animation. That was one of my first animated figures I ever built that were pneumatic. And uh, so I really wanted to get into animatronics, which was my dream. So that's myself in the family room with my first Uncle Sam figure that I built, which is the first human figure I built. Um, I was going to school that morning to, I was in a junior in high, or a sophomore in high school. Um, I didn't, I didn't uh, have any money to get metal to make the legs and the arms. So those are pieces of my dad's fences that I sawed off with a hacksaw that were in the backyard around the horses. And uh, so I cut up pieces unbeknownst to them and made metal parts. And so I built an Uncle Sam and uh, learned how to do some electronic controls for it. And that was Uncle Sam coming together. And then uh, this was him uh, debuting in a show in the mall in a little stage I built out of plywood. And uh, that was uh, one of the mall shows. It got in National Geographic World Magazine and a couple other magazines, Current Science, and then things started taking off. Well, one thing led to another. Um, I got a tape of it to, um, I got a tape of it to, uh, there's, yeah, the second Uncle Sam there, uh, built a year later, and then it was a little more sophisticated, and uh, that was a piece of my office in the garage that I put together. Started selling hands, everybody has them now, but back in those days, nobody had them, and I was one of the first that started selling hands all over, chopped off hands all over the world, and and uh, which was kind of fun, kept the business going. Um, uh, I don't know how the girlfriend talked me into that perm, but that sucks, but, um, but anyhow. So I sent my picture of my film of Uncle Sam to Disney. They called, we ended up developing a relationship and one thing led to another, I started doing things for them. And one of the first things, I started working on parade floats and started working on store displays. And then an idea came up for the Haunted Mansion holiday which was surreal to me because this is the haunted mansion I dreamed of as a child that you know that I wanted to build haunted man the, build the haunted mansion and now somebody was coming to me saying would you like to come in this place and tear it all apart and help us do something really different with it I like really um, so um, they decided to choose me to do this show with them. I did design the show, Steve Davidson, number brilliant Disney people. And so many of the decorations and things were done by them. I don't wanna, you know, I can't take credit for it. Uh, most everything that you'll see 
here today, if you're familiar with the show, or some things that I did, we did, I should say, my company. So this is the load-in card in the uh, in the Grand Hall, or I mean in the load-in area. And uh, so uh, this is what it looked like going together in the shop, a bunch of scaffolding with a bunch of figures starting to appear on it. I assume most of you have seen the Haunted Mansion holiday, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> so this is uh, some of the figures in the uh, in that um, card. Um, each one is separate and had its own animation, little gags and things like that. Um, there's the the Sally one. Um, they were aluminum flats, you know, they were painted, and they had uh, various animation. This is what one of them looks like. I guess that's Sally there from behind. Excuse me, the uh, animatronic parts of it. And then uh, there's uh, the doctor, and uh, his head says Noel when it opens up. This is looking at it from the back. We can see where it's cut out there, and it opens up. And so these are uh, this is painting black light. So we did this show in Tokyo as well. Um, three years later, they um, Tokyo Mansion. They wanted it kind of just like the one in uh, California. So um, this was in the black light shop painting these. Anybody recognize any other figures in there? Um, I think we have the way back in the back. I think that's the box of bot back there from Buzz Lightyear. Um, there's the uh, famous shattering windows um, that's uh, getting ready to paint the frames. There is a hidden Mickey in all of them, if any of you noticed. Um, I'm not going to tell you where it is, but you can watch for it when you're there. This is one of them for the back. Um, this is the, the glass here and uh, putting together the uh, stained glass. You can see the detail there, um, putting together the frames. Uh, there's the singing plants. Those are my favorites on their uh, stand. And they're in the conservatory and then also in the, in the hallway. Um, really cool. I think this is them getting ready to be painted there. So this is kind of putting them all together. Some of the mechanics, um, close up of the mechanics that make them swivel and everything. Um, so there they are um, and their stands. Um, those are really fun to make. I really like those. Um, so we have, uh, that's me programming in the mansion, I think, uh, sitting at a table one night um, programming stuff. Um, there's the wreath in the hallway, and uh, there's the wreath on the floor in the shop, I guess. Um, there's uh, putting all the foliage on there, and uh, it's a pretty big wreath. Looks like it's eating someone there. Um, there's the big Christmas tree in the Grand Hall. Um, it has spiders and uh, that travel up and down on little webs and things. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's no secret to all of you there that in the Grand Hall where the ghosts are that it's a Pepper's ghost effect. There are great big giant panes of glass there. And um, we were told in no uncertain terms that you know, this, this tree has assembled its big giant metal limbs that are covered with material. And when we were assembling it, it's, they're, they're, they're big and they're heavy and they're steel. And we were within two feet of panes of glass that they told us in no uncertain terms, if you break this glass, 
and uh, it's about a million dollars worth of glass. And um, so don't do that. And I said, okay, we'll. So we stayed really away from the glass. But um, it, uh, it was a really neat, neat piece. And uh, that's one of the spiders holding the, holding the Christmas bulbs. And uh, there's all the candles that go on the tree. Um, there's the tree getting produced with putting all the material on the, on the, the um, steel. And uh, there's the, uh, r the scroll. You see Garner Holt on there. You know, it's really funny, but the person who made that, see at the time, Garner Holt Productions wasn't very well known, but they knew there was Garner Holt worked on the Haunted Mansion. So I'm the only one that had the, my name on there twice. Everybody had their first name, and the person who printed this said they thought there was a Garner and there was a Holt. So they said, I'm gonna put Garner's name and I'm gonna put Holt's name too. So, um, so that was cool, I had both of my names on there. So um, Then there's Pumpkin Mountain. Um, this was in our backyard of the shop, um, putting the pumpkins onto the, the big Pumpkin Mountain. And uh, as you can see, it's pretty good size. Made in a couple pieces so we could haul it in there. Um, this, these pictures, another surreal thing about this is these photos were taken about a week before, or about two weeks before 9-11 happened. And every time I see these photos, I'm like, you know, it brings me back to that time, you know, which is very strange. But, um, because we loaded it in, in, uh, um, you know, the end of September in uh, 2001. So there it is uh, back inside the shop where it's getting final paint and everything's getting touched up, ready to go. Um, there's Jack, um, apparently without his dentures. Um, we have uh, zero there off to the side of him. And uh, that's uh, some of the skeleton, uh, the mechanics, you know, inside the head, I believe. There's Oogie Boogie with his spinning wheel and a uh, uh, bag of bugs. And he's uh, pretty, pretty animated. He was a lot of fun to do. Pulls the lever and, and then you get a prize as you go by the, the uh, mirrors, which, uh, oh, there's the sculpt. That was in the sculpt room of uh, Oogie, the original sculpt. That uh, was kind of neat. And there's the big bag of bugs himself. That's building the spinning wheel. Um, that's uh, it's a kind of a, a nice piece. And then here's the uh, uh, overlays that went over the existing mirrors that are in the unload area to where you can see the different prizes that you win of Oogie's spinning wheel. And um, I think that's some of the prizes there that uh, we developed through inside the it's kind of a neat shot, just getting them all ready to go uh, ship, ship down the park. And then, uh, you know, there's one of the gifts, the spooky gifts, which was a Christmas sock. And um, so there's about, I don't know how many years later, I don't know if it was probably more than 10 years later, we were asked to put in um, Sally across from Jack. That had always been intended, but um, it uh, um, just got delayed, and so that's where we did the gravestone, and we did uh, Sally there. And 
she blinks her eyes and her leg flips up in the back. She kind of pines for Jack. She's st staring at Jack, wishing that uh, she was with him. And uh, so there's the Tokyo house and a lot of the stuff on the outside there um, were things that we did. And I think that's the end of the slideshow. So um, I'm not checking anything here other than my time. I'm not looking at, uh, so I got 3.38. So I'm supposed to go till four o'clock. So I got about uh, 20 minutes here. So I'm gonna uh, um, talk just a little bit more about Mansion. It was, as I say, very surreal, uh, very amazing thing to have been involved in. Um, in those days, we just kind of, the whole team went in there, spent a month in there, you know, in the attic, the real attic, in the bowels of the basements, everything. We got to see everything, do everything, anywhere we wanted, just over all night, overnight. Um, you know, it's just amazing, you know, I'm still can't tell you how strange that was as a child dreaming of that place and then getting to have the run of it in a sense, you know, but uh, they were uh, a pleasure to work with. Um, Disney's a great company and we were proud and pleased to be able to do these things for them. Great team, great creative team. They developed all this stuff. They did all the artwork and, and that for it. We just basically built what they tell us to build. That's how a lot of things that we do. People say to us all the time, do you, you know, do you come up with all this stuff? And you know, in some cases we do. We have a creative department. People come to us and say, you know, we want a dark ride. Okay, what do you want? Well, we want a theme dark ride like Pirates. Okay, after that, what do you want? We don't know, you tell us. So that's cool, that's fun to go do that. Um, cookie cutter stuff is fun too, you know? I mean, it's nice to have a continuous source of income like Chuck E. Cheese, build 32 Chuck E. Cheeses every three months or four months for 20 years. Um, you know, that, you know, I have Chuck E. standing in my shop and when people come in, I say, pay homage to this figure, he bought this building. Uh, <laughs> so Chucky has an honorary spot in my shop. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to have things that are cookie cutter. And then it's, it's also nice to have companies come to you and throw down a stack of blueprints this thick and say, everything is here. You do exactly what we want you to do here down to the color of the nuts and bolts, you know? And we say, okay. And this is how much it'll cost and we'll just go do it. And so it, it is, the diversity of that is really great. Um, I've had a lot of, uh, I get that a lot with private customers. I have some customers out in Malibu and LA. There's one fellow that has uh, about 12 or $13 million worth of animation in his basement. He just likes animatronics and he just keeps buying toys from us, you know. And, and a lot of times, uh, the house in Malibu out there, one of them, um, they didn't know what they wanted. They said, let's just, I want to, I want stuff that scares people in my house. And I said, well, what do you want? And he says, I don't know. I said, what's your budget? He says, I don't care. And I said, well, you know, so I started to think, what would I want in my house? You know, if I had a house and an unlimited budget. So I said, well, you need a wolf that attacks people in the front door. They ring the doorbell, the wall rattles, bulges, flies open, and the wolf flies out and attacks people. And Shane's pulling back and he's drilling snot and he's spitting on you. And, and uh, 
He said, okay, I'll take it. And I said, uh, I said, well, you need a creature that jumps out of the planter and uproots a palm tree and then flies up and spits on people right by the pool and knocks everybody into the pool. And I said, okay, I'll take that. And we have an alien and the, you know, so it goes on and on and on. And um, we, um, years ago, we did Michael Jackson's house, uh, in Never, a place in San Ynez, they called it Neverland. And um, he wanted to, you know, Indians, and pirates, and birds, and monsters. And so we did, uh, we, so we do a lot of things for um, private individuals, big men die, people like that. Um, we have uh, a lot of retail, themed retail. Um, don't do haunted houses anymore. I don't, I don't really, we kind of veered away from anything that had to do with liability uh, with people. You know, it touches people and we stopped scaring people to the point where they fall into a pool and things like that. And I stood there watching the gentleman do this to people and I thought, we're gonna get sued and lose our lives. You know? But um, so, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And in any case, we do things for the military. So you saw some things in there, we have Camp Pendleton that, um, that the soldiers get trained and they run through and they run into terrorists and the terrorists can pull knives on them and the terrorists can get shot and they fall down on their backs and they die and they pop back up and come alive again and they throw grenades at you and, and they can shoot at you and you can shoot at them and you know it's, it's crazy but it trains soldiers which is important you know you send these kids overseas and they don't know what they're going to these these help with the training so um, a lot of weird things like that um, but all in all, it's great to do things that uh, entertain, educate, inform, make people happy. Um, but it is a dream come true. I've lived a dream come true. Um, never spent a single day in college. I tested out of high school when I was in my junior year. Never even went to my senior year. So anybody out there that thinks that they have to spend half their life in college to get anywhere, I, you know, I would say, you know, love what you do, passion work on it day and night, you know, live the dream, never give up, keep going. I ran into obstacles that, you know, people would just stop, you know. I, I, quick story, and then I'll take questions. So, first figure I built, Uncle Sam. I needed eyes. I, didn't, I tried over and over and over to make eyes, painting wood, painting wooden balls. Couldn't work, didn't work, didn't work, got worse and worse and worse. I thought, okay. I'll just find the people that make eyes for people. So I looked in the phone book, ocularist. Don Kluge, San Bernardino ocularist, called him up. I said, I need some eyes for my figure. How much are they? And he says, you know, we talked a little bit. He said, oh, they're about $1,500 a piece. It's about $3,000 for a pair. And uh, I'm like, well, that's 10 times the budget of my entire project. <laughs> you know, I cannot do that. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, I won't sell them to you, but come on down here on weekends and talk to me. And he says, maybe I can teach you to make them. So I went down there. I spent a whole year riding my bike to his shop while I was building things. And I learned how to make ocular quality eyes. In fact, I used to wear a little coat and I would help him fit patients with them. And uh, so that was an obstacle. You know, it didn't, I, didn't, I didn't solve it overnight. It took a year or more to solve it. but. I'm better for it now. You know, it, it, it gets you to the final goal, whatever it takes, no matter how long it takes to get over that, that obstacle. Um, so that's kind of been the story of my life. It's just persevering through pitfalls of which I've had a thousand of them. We're, I'm doing a book, we're gonna have a book soon. Maybe you'll all hopefully be able to 
read some of the great stories that, that I've been through, but um, I'm no smarter than anybody else. I'm no more money than anybody else. I just love what I do and want to keep doing it as long as, you know, good Lord lets me do it. So that's it for me, I guess. So um, thank you. Thank you for, it's been a pleasure talking to you all. Today's episode was edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. Support for today's episode comes from Gantam Lightning and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. From Dark Hour to Netherworld, Super Mario Land to Hagrid's bike, Gantam goes where other fixtures can't. See what you're missing with a free demo? Sign up at gantam.com demo. That's gantam.com demo. The HAN team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Until next time, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.